that video is sobering. I saw it on the missionary's website that you were introduced to last week, Joel Corbin. He's a former student of mine and newly wedded and headed back to Africa. He put that on his site and as a missionary going to the mission field, raised $5,000 for those people. Every time I look and focus on my struggles, I can, I can get pretty depressed. If you look at your situation long enough, you can find all of the things that are wrong. It's when we take our eyes off of our world and we put them out to the world around us, we realize we have it so much better, so much better. I want you to know something. We are making a difference around the world. I want to thank you for your faithfulness and giving. And I want to encourage you with a verse from Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children out begging for bread. Friends, we may run out of chicken, but we're not going to run out of provision from God. He's your heavenly father and he's going to give you daily bread. He can do more with what you do, making him Lord, not only of your life, but your finances and trusting him, not in reckless giving, not in fearful giving but thank you for your faithful giving. Different ways you can do this is on the website at lowellag.org give. Our app, the easiest I find is texting 77977, the word lowellag is one word, 77977, lowellag, Venmo, Cash App, or click the give button above or below the screen. Thank you again for your giving. We're making a difference locally and globally. God bless you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we're grateful for what you've done for us and our forgiveness, that you love us, but that you're our Father, you're Jehovah Jireh, and you're gonna provide for your people. I pray for those that have lost jobs, those that uh, have bills piling up that, and the money doesn't match it. Lord, would you be there for them? Would you make up the difference? When the math doesn't work, Jehovah Jireh makes up the difference, the God that provides. Lord, be our provider. And we don't want to give in fear. We give in faith and trust in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. God bless you. Thank you for joining us here at Online Church for Lowell Assembly. If this is your first time or your 50th, we appreciate you. We ask you to take a, a look, like, and share the things that are available to you here. It would really be great for us if you did that. Thank you. Um, let me get right to it. I want to share with you today from the book of Psalms, keeping with our series. This week, I want to share Psalm 42. And this is written not by David, but by a group of people called the sons of Korah. It's right in the superscript there before we talk about the story behind the song. What's unique about this is we don't know the story. We can guess at a couple of things by the way that the, the, the songwriter shares, but we have things to the choir master. So we know that this was sung in the temple. It says uh, the sons of Korah, which were a group of, of people that were a part of the, they were almost like uh, famous musical artists for, for the kingdom of God in church. So they were, they were like uh, uh, Elevation Church or uh, Hillsong United, those, those kind of groups. And then it's got this thing called a maskel. Well, what's a maskel? A maskel is written as that because there's no word to translate it. We really don't know. And this is what helps us understand just how ancient the book of Psalms really is because some of these words, we can't translate it because they haven't been used in so long. So a lot of people will look at these, these, sub, these superscripts and say, you know, what, is that something that someone added on? And the, the fact that we can't translate these helps us see that they're really old. One other thing before we jump into this, Psalm 42 
and Psalm 43 are not two songs, but they're actually one. Every song before this and after it for a while begins with this mascal or the sons of Korah. But Psalm 43 jumps right in to vindicate me, O God. And in the earliest versions of the Bible, the manuscripts that we have, it's all written as one psalm in and of itself. It gives it away too, because if you look at some of the phrases, it's repeated over and over again. And the chorus in Psalm 42 is also the chorus for Psalm 43. So let me read just a portion of this and we'll jump right into the very heart of what I wanna talk to you about today, which is the cure for depression. Don't listen to your heart, speak to it. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, O God, for the living God. When shall I come before, uh, where, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead, the, lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and waves have gone over me. Skipping down just a little bit further, look at verse 11. Why are you downcast? The chorus, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Jump with me, chapter 43, verse 1, which is really one in the same song. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me and just jump right to the very last verse and you'll see this same chorus again. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I again shall praise him, my salvation and my God. That's a really great question. Why downcast? It's pretty obvious right now that even the most positive, optimistic person is struggling to find the silver lining in this cloud of, of stay-at-home mandates and the economy and our health and the unknown. And it is so timely and fitting that we look at this Psalm because really this Psalm is a lament. It's about grief. It's about how you should approach your despondency, your de despair and your depression. And this is the first one that we've taken a look at. If you go through it, verse, verse, course, verse, course, verse, course, it literally goes, he, he laments and grieves over something and then he finds a little bit of hope. And then he laments over something, finds a little bit of hope. He laments over something. And then he, he just says, I'm just going to put my hope in God. And then he laments and he finds a little hope, laments hope. I'm just going to put my hope in God. Let me just get right to the point from the very beginning here that you need to stop listening to your heart and start listening to God and speak to your heart. Stop listening to your heart, speak to it. Start listening to God so you have something to say to it. The cure for depression is not listening to your heart. It's listening to God and speaking to it to fall in alignment with heaven on earth inside of us. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your truth and your word would do its work. There isn't a joke funny enough. There isn't a concept witty enough that, or a truth profound enough for me to share that is greater than your word. It's alive. 
come alive in the life of people through your word today. Let your word do its work in Jesus' name, amen. And that's what we're about in this church is God's word. So what's the story behind the song? We don't know. I mean, there are some things that are there, but really the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter because all of us can identify with a downtime. And if ever there were a whole culture was on the same page, a worldwide culture on the same page, it's now. There's a great brief dialogue on this from Pastor, Pastor Dylan's favorite speaker, Tim Keller, his favorite communicator. He's pastor in New York City, and he actually quotes a famous British minister by the name of Dr. David Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he's talking about this psalm that we just read. Listen to what he says. We must learn what the psalmist learned. In spiritual depression, we must learn to talk to ourselves rather than to listen to us. Have you realized that so much of the unhappiness in your life is because you are listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself? That's profound. This week, we send out an, uh, a newsletter on Psalm 42 that really comes along with this whole concept of what's the cure for spiritual depression. It's speaking to your heart and not listening to it. And it's lifting up and putting your hope in God. It's, it's, it's the power of praise. It's the purpose of this book, singing the songs of heaven on earth. Now, I'm not trying to patronize you and say, you just need to begin to sing. People in your neighborhood might not appreciate that, but you need to find your song and you need to look for it in a place other than your heart because it will get you, your heart, it's difficult to keep that thing in tune. And the only way it gets tuned properly is, is when we listen to heaven's voice through God's word. So that's great. The cure for spiritual depression is to speak to your heart. Now, this is to do it. Well, well, how am I supposed to do that? What am I supposed to say? What's the antidote? It's found in verse 5 of chapter 42, verse 5 of, of chapter 43, and another spot in there. It's simply this. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him. My, uh, I, shall pray, I shall again praise him, my salvation. It's simply this, put your hope in God, put your hope in God. You know, that's a struggle for many of us because many of us put our hope in a change in the conflicts around us. We say this, this lie, which is really a symptom of that cycle of depression and difficulty. We say this, the symptom that we said, man, things would be different if they weren't in the way. We could say it different ways. Like, you know what? If that person wasn't acting the way they acted or said the things they said or did the things they did, I would be happy. We'd be in a better place. But because they do that, we can't, we can't do that. That's a lie. You know what? The, that's listening to your heart. What, what does God say? What's the truth that God wants us to get? He'd like you to know that no one can keep you from God's best for your life except you. Chapter 42, verse 9, and then verse 3. Listen to this. I'll just out of order because they make the point. I'm just going to play different sections of this song. Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my enemy while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Look at the problem that this person has. There are people that, that not only are not a fan of this person, but they're, they're, they're an agitator of them. They're, they're, they're in conflict with this person. There are seasons in my life like yours where 
pressures are there. There's conflict within the home just because everybody's on top of everyone there. Sometimes there's conflict in a family that goes back so far that nobody even remembers why anyone's mad, what they're really mad about. They're just holding on to that voice of their heart and recycling it. I remember in one of these seasons in my life, there's a really difficult moment and I was holding on to that lie and I was listening to my heart. Man, it'd be different if this situation and this person responded differently. And Donna Jo Scruggs, who used to be a leader and administrator at North Point Bible College, she's always been near my life and has always had a voice of wisdom like no other woman I know. She mentioned Romans chapter 12, verse 18. She says this, Paul, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. And then she ended it with this profound truth. Some people make that impossible. Listen, no one can keep you from God's best for your life. Don't listen to your heart. Talk to it. Stop being the victim. Start being the victor. Look at King David. King David in every phase of his life had enemies. Some of them unmerited. Some of them, he brought the problem on himself, but there was always conflict. There's always going to be people that don't like you. There's always going to be people that disagree with you. There's always going to be people maybe that, that even downright hate you, but that shouldn't stop your life. And that shouldn't be the voice that you listen to, to determine the happiness in your life, because no one can keep you from God's best for your life, except you stop listening to your heart, start talking to it. Don't be the victim, be the victor. And here's the poison that keeps us stuck in this place. We look for vindication. Chapter 43, verse one, vindicate me, O God, defend my cause against an ungodly people. In other words, he's saying this, God, give me real justice. If you just get them to think the way I'm thinking, get them to agree with me, get them to apologize to me. You know what? If you sit around and wait for that, you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life because it didn't happen that way for Jesus. And it won't happen that way for you. Don't listen to your heart. Listen to your heavenly father. Stop listening to that voice to be your guide and start listening to the voice who is the God that guides you. Why in verse Two of 43, why do I go about mourning? That's a really great question. Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? There's always going to be oppression. There's always going to be people. And you know what is not always going to happen? Vindication. The problem is, is that you're listening to your heart. That's why you're walking around in sorrow. You're listening to your heart. Stop listening to your heart. Start speaking to it because you're listening to God. Symptom number two. My life would be better if I went back to the way it was. In other words, the good old days weren't as good as you remember them. You know, there's an interesting thing with the, the mind that as time goes, we forget the weight of the ongoing strain. And we look at the very peak moments of joy and difficulty. And although in the present, we tend to gravitate towards what's negative in the past, we over-focus on what's positive. And this can work to our advantage or our disadvantage, especially with the negative things. We do a thing called ruminating, where we just keep recycling. There is nothing that I know of, not even gum, that if you just keep chewing it over and over again and putting it back in your mouth over and over again, that it has any benefit to your life. And we idealize things. Oh, that was just, you know, amazing. And all the problems were gone. And no, the good old days weren't as good as they were in the psalmist. He, he sings about it. 
oh, these are the things I remember as I pour out my heart and soul to you, how I would go with the, the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and the multitude keeping the festival. This is somebody that was the life of the party. He was the DJ and the center of attention and he was pointing it all up to God and he was important and he knew his place and now he is displaced. And he's saying, oh, if I could just go back. Friends, the past is behind us. There's a reason why the rearview mirror is the short, the smallest thing for, for your windshield. You need to be looking forward and you need to be looking with what is right in front of you. That's why God says, I will give you daily bread. See, the psalmist gets trapped in this. He says, these things I remember. Oh, he ruminates. He catastrophizes. It's a new word someone shared with me. It's probably not new, but basically thinking the worst possible situation will happen. And that's what we do with our present. And then when we look at our past, we, we idealize it. And then we come back to our present. We look at people and we become the victim of it. Think about the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus goes up on top with Peter, James, and John. God shows up. The Shekinah glory of God comes down. Moses and, and Elijah are there. And what does Peter do? Let's set up a motel franchise and I'm going to build a hotel and we'll, we'll have a resort here. And Jesus just looks at him and is like, there are other villages we need to go to. They go down off the hill and there's a demon possessed boy, another person needing healing, another person needing help, another person needing hope. The truth of the matter is the good old days aren't as good as they were because you're focusing on the mountaintop. Friend, life is spent this much on the peak. It's about keeping hope in God and trusting God for the descent and the ascent up the other side until you get to that next mountain. And listen, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. Don't have destination disease. But if this third symptom is a part of your life, if you're listening to your heart about this third thing that the psalmist shows us is, is challenging him to hear and hope in God, it, it'll break all the, it's, it's really greater than all the others. And it's this, God is against me. Here's a symptom you could see that you're despondent, that you've got spiritual depression or even actual depression. God is against me. Oh, you might not be saying it openly, but in your heart, you're ruminating over it. You're saying God is for me most of the time. Listen to the Psalmist 42 verse nine. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? He hasn't forgotten you. Chapter 43 verse two. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. He's talking, he's trying to encourage himself up here. He's talking to himself. You're the, and he's talking to God. Lord, I take refuge in you. Why have you rejected me? See, there's this pull and push of grief. Grief doesn't have an expiration date. And, it, and it's not like the stages of grief with Kubler-Ross where it's, it's denial, uh, bargaining, anger, you know, all these different stages don't fall perfectly in order. And sometimes they, they clap on the offbeat. There's no, there's no rhythm or rhyme to it. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you think that God is against you, then it doesn't matter what he does for you. You're, you're going to say he's only partially for me. And you'll miss the very reason why you are here on this earth is not to attend church and 
have a family and do that, but God has made you. There's no fingerprint the same. There's no snowflake alike. There's nobody like you. He's not looking for you to be more like somebody else. He's looking for you to be more like you because you bear his image. You're his child. He loves you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you if you're an introvert or an extrovert, if you're funny or if you're, you're a realist. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're at, but you need to sit still and hear his voice. You need to hear God is for me and not against me. The pace of ministry is so hectic. And recently in our, our mailing that we just sent out, Pastor Caitlin talks about how this pandemic season, the stay-at-home mandate and is, is helping her to learn what it really means to be still and know that he's God. And you can read that and we could get that to you if you want. Um, just call the office. But, but she's learning that the more she's still and the more she's quiet and the more she listens, the more she hears God's peace. Man, uh, spiritual pathways are real. Some of us love serving others and we feel God when we're doing for other people. Others of us, uh, the communion, which would be great for us to do next week, communion or um, may, you know, the liturgies of the church and, and the, the traditions of the church. And just because somebody loves tradition doesn't mean that they're legalistic or they're stuck in the past. They just feel God in those moments. You take comfort in them. And then there are those that nature is that recharge. I find when I hit my lowest moments, I rebound fastest to that chorus of putting my hope in God when I'm out in nature. What's amazing about this Psalm, as I conclude here, so that I can tell you where in nature this psalm was written, knowing the land and knowing this. This is just brilliant people from uh, my past that have just poured into my life. Psalm 42, verse 6 and 8. Listen to this. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Right now, as I was reading that, you saw and heard the waterfalls and saw the place. That's the place. Why, how can I say that? Israel is about the size of New Jersey. And the distance between Jerusalem and the place that you just looked at is about driving the distance between Boston and New York City. There are only a handful of waterfalls and only pretty much one natural that is in this area. He says, in the land of the Jordan, there's a Jordan north of the Sea of Galilee, up in the land of Mount Hermon. No one can tell you where Mount Mizar is, or maybe there might be a few people in the world, but, but that's the spot. It's in nature. Maybe what you need to do is get yourself out, be still and know that he's God. Jump into that vein of what Pastor Caitlin's doing and hear God again. Well, what if I'm stuck? How do, I, how do I nudge out of this? Sometimes it's, it's, it's a hard, we need a good push to get forward. Well, Tim Keller, when he talks about this, gave a phrase that was really profound. He calls it reordering your hope. You know what? The focus of our hope shouldn't be to be blessed and refreshed as the deer pants for water. Once I get that drink, I'll be personally satisfied because you'll be thirsty again. Or uh, the way to be is conflict-free. Problems and people will always be grit against your life and sandpaper makes us smoother. Oh man, if I'm in celebration and it's in party mode and it goes back to the normal, right? Everybody's talking about the new normal. What's normal anymore? There's just, there's not a, a normal life. There's just life and, and living it with God and living it with those we love and gracing each other as we go. 
You need to shout out the doubt. Stop listening to your heart. Speak to it. Don't let the noise of your present situation distract you. Don't give ear to your enemies. Don't hear past memories and look at them idealistically and think that going back is where you're going to go forward. It's not how it works in life. Don't listen to your heart. Speak to it. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God for I shall again praise him. It ends here where in verse two, not ends, but just where I want to end here. Verse two, he says, my soul thirsts for you, O God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before you? First of all, I would say this now here. What is this verse really saying? When you look at this in, in the Hebrew, he's saying, oh God, when can I come and see you face to face? Maybe you've never seen God that way. Oh, not, not that God's going to stare at you and, you know, like your children or your spouse or your friends, but that you know that you're in the presence of God right here, right now. God can do that for you. That's what Peniel is. In fact, Jacob wrestled with God. And then when he realized what had happened, he said, he called that place Peniel for he saw the face of God and yet lived. It says about Moses that God speaks to all the prophets and uh, gets a message to their heart and they share it. But Moses was different from all of them in that he spoke to God face to face. And here's the thing. Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross, made a way for you and me that we don't have to think that God is partially for you. Do you think Jesus partially died for you? Do you think that God, like you and I in our humanness, partially forgives you? That is not. He laid it all on the line and wrapped it up and called it a done deal. You can never be more forgiven right now in this moment than you ever will be for the rest of your life. We just need to be walking in the right direction. And if we fall, let's let it be towards his grace. Let me pray with you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and we say to you, Lord, listening to our heart is not helping the problem. It's, it's, it's magnifying it. So we want to put our hope not in all of those other things. We want to put our hope in you. We want to move forward. So right now, God, would your presence just fill the place where people are right now. Some people, Lord, they need to drop to their knees and lift their hands and say, oh, God, be a part of my life again. Come into my life. Let me know that I've, you've forgiven me, that, that you want to use me. You don't just want to forgive me. You want to touch the lives of other people through me, God, and I make myself available to you. I ask that you would just encourage discouraged hearts. You'd help us to tune out others and idealistic thoughts. And we tune in to your word in heaven. We need to pick it up again, Lord. We need to start reading your word daily again so that we can hear you and start talking to our heart and telling it to do what God's asking it to do. You'll give us the grace and we give you the space to do what you need to in our life. In Jesus name, amen. As we transition here, I've got two videos for you. One of them is an extended look at this place I just talked about where the psalm was written, and then a song that comes from this psalm, Psalm 42, verse 1, as the deer pants for water, famous and made famous in the 1980s, and uh, is sung by what the majority of the world's faces really look like. This is not the face of the world. The face of the world is Asian, Indian, Latino. You know what the truth of the matter is, though? We're all God's children. So I pray that you're encouraged by these clips. Thank you for joining us. Again, like, look like, and share what you see there. And if you would follow us, we appreciate that. 
We'd be grateful for it. God bless you. Be encouraged. We'll see you here next week.